I'm so excited to be here. I'm sure you guys are excited because you don't have school this week. I, oh, and well, being homeschooled helps some of you. But it's a good week. It's Thanksgiving week. Tomorrow we feast, right? It's going to be so good. Um, I'm excited to preach to you guys because it's been like since February. It's been like since the love series um, for me since I've been up here and able to preach to you guys. And fun fact, that was like the week I found out I was pregnant. So that was a long time ago, right? Because here I am and it's not that way anymore. But I'm excited um, to talk to you guys tonight. Um, Actually, Pastor Sai didn't even ask me to preach. I was just like, hey, I got something to say. And I have connections, so he let me me preach tonight. So I'm really excited. We've been on, as you can see, we've been on a series talking about growing in grace. It's been so good. Um, Last uh, week, Pastor Josiah talked about not relying on yourself, but relying on the grace that God gives you so uh, to accomplish what God's called you to do in life. So it was so good. Um, But we're going to jump in this week. So would you bow your heads and pray with me? So God, we thank you for tonight. I thank you that in this room is a, a group of young people who are on fire for you, God, ready and willing to do what you've called them to do. God, I thank you that tonight, the things that you've told me to say, God, that it just wouldn't be words, but God, I thank you that the Holy Spirit's in this room. God, I thank you that the Holy Spirit, you said, is our teacher. So God, let it be more than just something that that we hear, but let it be something that's a fresh revelation of who you are and and a fresh revelation of what your word is speaking and saying to us. And we thank you for it, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So, have you guys ever experienced, like, someone being super nice to you, right? But then later you find out, like, wait a minute, wait a minute, right? Like, maybe it was, like, one of your siblings, and you come home, and you're like, man, they're really nice today, right? But then later they're like, so would you, like, drive me to the mall? Or, like, they they want something out of it, right? Or, like, maybe... You show up to school and your friend's like being super nice to you today. Or it's like some guy you barely even talk to and you're like, oh, he's being nice, right? And then he's like, so do you have like all the answers to the homework from last night, right? It's like all of a sudden um, their, their feelings, your feelings towards them is like, oh, I see, right? I'll give you an example. So when I was younger... I won't call it bad. I was just, like, devious. Like, I just, like, schemed a lot, right? And I've changed my ways, so it's okay. But I have a sister who is two years younger than me. And as a child, she was very sweet and very innocent. And she often became the target of my said schemes. So when I was little, we I came up with this game. And it was like this coin game, right? And so we would take out all of our money, like from our piggy banks and stuff, and combine it all. And we would organize everything, right? Like here's the dimes, and here's the nickels, pennies, quarters, whole deal. And I would be like, 
okay, look, you could have all these pennies. I'll give you all of them. All you have to give me is like these 10 quarters. Like, don't worry about it. Like, just take all the pennies, right? And it worked for a long time. And she loved that game until, you know, she felt like I was being so nice, so generous. I was just the best sister. Until my older brother one day saw us playing this game and explained to her what I was doing and my intentions in the game. And all of a sudden, she didn't like that game anymore, right? And rightfully so, she was a little ticked at me. Um, and so her perception of me and my intentions towards her changed, right? Changed when she found out um, you know, how, what I was really doing, my intentions, what my intentions were in the game, all of a sudden she didn't want to play that game anymore, right? Well, that's a lot like what happens in Matthew chapter 25. So if you guys will open your Bibles, which you should have, and if you're like me, it's on your phone because I got a lot of other stuff to carry around. So this is Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to start in verse 14. Now, when you guys are turning there, some of you might know this. This is the parable of the talents. I think Pastor John actually referenced it like a couple weeks ago, and I think Pastor Luke talked about it a couple weeks before that. It's like, it's a pretty well-known story, but if you don't know it, I'm going to read it for you. So, this is Matthew 25, verse 14, and this is Jesus talking. That's what it means when the letters are in red. Okay, so Jesus is saying again, the kingdom of God can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing a proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The man who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. And the man who got two bags of silver went to work and earned two more. And the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip, and he called to, give, he called to them to give them a, him an account of how they had used his money. The servant, the servant who had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward, forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. And the master was full of praise and said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling a small amount, so now I'll give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And the servant who received two bags of silver came forward and said, master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. And the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling a small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And the servant who had one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid that I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. And the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. And so you can keep reading the rest of the story, but obviously like it ruined his relationship with the master um, and, and the master, who is God in this story, was, uh, was very upset with the man. And so I started thinking about what the last servant said, right? Because he says, I knew you as a harsh man. I knew you were a harsh man. 
you were like always taking things that didn't even belong to you, right? Like that's the essence of what, what he says. But then I started thinking about like what he says about the master and how the master is in the story are very different, right? So the master, if that were true about the master, that he's constantly coming back, he's harsh, he takes what doesn't even belong to him, then the story would have been more like, so the master comes back, he's like, what'd you do with my money? And the guy's like, oh, well, I doubled your money. If it were true about the master that he was that way, he would have been like, great, now give me what's mine. Thank you very much, right? And not only that, like, give me what's mine and what else you got. Like, what else is in your house? Like, give me that too, right? That would have been, if the way that the last servant saw the master were true, that's how the story would have gone, right? But instead, the story is very different. The, sir, the master is very different. He comes back and he's like, what'd you do with my money? And they're like, I doubled it. And he's like, great, here's more money, and let's celebrate together, right? So he, the, the last servant views him as very harsh, as very taking, but the master in real life is, is very generous. And the servant at some point had to have known the master, right? Because the master gave him the money. So he knew him as, as somebody who trusted him, as somebody who believed in him, as somebody who was generous towards him. But how did he get this in his mind? Like somehow between the time of the master be, being like, I believe in you, here, take, take my money, go do stuff, right? At some point between him seeing the master who is kind and gracious and generous and the master coming back, it got twisted in his mind, right? It got distorted. His view of the master got distorted, to where now he views the master as harsh and taking what doesn't even belong to him. Um, it, you know, this was the guy who gave to him, and now all of a sudden he, he feels like not only is he going to come back and take from him, but he's going to take what doesn't even belong to him. Like, it, none of it matters. None of it makes any sense. But that is the same way, that's the same tactic that Satan has always had. It's the same tactic that Satan has always had. In Genesis 3, you guys know that story, right? Genesis 3. Satan comes to Eve, and it's the first time Satan talks to people. And Satan is like, did God say you can't eat from any tree, right? And Eve's like, no, it's not that we can't eat from any tree. It's just that we can't eat from this one. And Satan is like, you know why God doesn't want you to do that? Well, it's not for your own good. It's because he knows that if you do, then you'll be like him. That's why he doesn't. The very first thing that Satan does to people is to distort their view of God and the, God's intentions towards them. When really in the beginning, like, what does it say? What God said, let us make man in our image, right? Like the very point of God making people was because he wanted them to be like him, right? And then all of a sudden, Satan's coming in and twisting. And I was like, you know what? God doesn't have good intentions for you. Actually, he just doesn't want you to be like him. It's the same tactic that Satan has always had. Um, and you see, if, if Satan can get you to do that, why does he do that? Because if Satan can distort your view of God, just like the servant in the first story, right? Just like the servant with the talents. If Satan can distort your view of God, he does two things. He'll, number one, he'll destroy your success in this life and what God wants you to do, right? 
In the story, God gave to him something that he wanted to be, him to be successful, right? So if, God, if Satan can distort your view of God, he'll, number one, ruin your chance of being successful with what God's wanted you to do. And then number two, ultimately ruin your relationship with the Lord. Ultimately ruin your relationship with the Lord. That's what happened in the story, right? Not only did he not, wasn't successful with what God gave him, but it ultimately ruined his relationship with the master. The master's calling him wicked and lazy all of a sudden, and he sends him away. He doesn't even keep him anymore. So it ruins his relationship with the Lord. But you see, God's not that way. Because God is the same today, yesterday, and forever, right? God does not change. And in James, if you guys want to pull that up, I'm sure they'll put it up on the screen. This is James chapter 1. James chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 16. And um, this is, this is uh, James talking, but he says, <laughs> do so do not be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we out of all creation, became his prized possession. We, out of all creation, became his prized possession. And it says God never changes. He doesn't cast a shifting shadow. So I brought this with me tonight. See this little guy? He's cute, right? I stole him from Aria. I, no, I'm kidding. I, did, I asked her, and she let me borrow him, really, truly. But this is going to be you. Aren't you cute? And you're festive and everything. So it's like perfect. You're like all ready for the fall. It's great. Um, so this is going to be you. This is you. And if you guys will uh, adjust the lights for me like I asked, please. This is you. And if we could turn off the screen too. I'm sorry. I guess I probably didn't actually specifically say that. Um, yeah, all of them. All the lights. However, I had it before. It would be great. Kill the lights. All of them. Thank you. Thank you. That's what I mean. Okay. So this is him. Isn't he cute? He's got like a little spotlight on him. I'm going to move my notes so this will work properly. Um, but this is how God sees you, right? This is the light that God sees you in. This is you. And God, he doesn't change, right? He doesn't cast a shifting shadow. You guys know what I mean. Like this is shifting the shadow, right? It distorts your view of the whole thing. This is how God views you, though. God's like, I want to be merciful to you. I want to be good to you. My, my mercy is new every single morning. I, I'm rooting for you. Just like the servant, right? Like not, not only am I rooting for you, but... But you're mine, right? You, you belong to the Lord. What you have belongs to the Lord. Of course he wants you to be successful. Of course he wants to root for you. Uh, of course he wants you to do well. This is how God sees you, right? But Satan loves to cast a shifting shadow, right? He's the father of freaking lies. He takes what, what, he takes what is true, and then he distorts it, right? 
He takes truth and then, and then he distorts it. So this is how God sees you. And from the very beginning, before you get saved, it's, it's the same thing, right? Before you get saved, can you guys bring up a tiny bit of house lights so they can write up their notes, please? But before you get saved, it's the same, it's the same deal, right? It's like, oh, you know, God's like, I, I love you. I sent my son to die for you. All I want you to do is succeed. Like, I just, sin, sin is killing you. It's destroying your life. All I want for you is to set you free, right? I sent Jesus down to set you free. You know, Jesus died for sin and shame. Jesus was willing to look, God was willing to look away from Jesus to be able to look at you. That, that's how much God loves you. That's how much God loves you. But, but Satan, he does the same thing every time, right? He's like, do you, do you know all the crap that you've done? Like, you, do you see how far you are into this? Like, you and God, a relationship with God, like, that's, that's so stupid. Like, you've done so, you know the name that you've made for yourself at this point? Like, you're so far into this. That's the kind of stuff that Satan says to you, right? When, and, and it doesn't change after you get saved. It doesn't change. And that, that's the biggest tactic of the enemy, right? Like, Satan... Now you know God, now you know God's for you, but then Satan starts to whisper things to you, right? Like, hmm, I don't know, the whole, like, God wants to be gracious to you and whatever, mm, but, like, you've been a Christian for, like, a long time. You should be way farther than you are right now. Really, truly, it's like, what have you even done for the Lord, right? It's like, that's how Satan starts to, to view you, and that's the that's kind of shadow he starts to throw on you, or, like, you know... God's like, I want to be merciful to you. I want to help you succeed. I just want to celebrate with you, right? Like the master said, like, I just want to celebrate with you when you do well. Like, I want to help you. I want to be your strength in, in, in time of need. I want to, I, I, I'm for you. I'm rooting for you. That's how God sees you. That's how he speaks about you. But Satan's like, mm, you know what, though? Like, God did tell you to do that thing, like, five months ago. Remember when he asked you to, like, tell that lady about Jesus and you didn't do it? Like, man, you're really not living up to standards here, right? Like, that, God's probably super disappointed. Like, that, that's the kind of shadow, you guys can bring up the lights, that's the kind of crap that, that Satan will start to feed to you because he doesn't, want, he doesn't want you to be able to view yourself. And you guys can bring up the house lights too so they can write their notes. But God doesn't want you to, be, Satan doesn't want you to be able to view yourself the way that God views you, because why? Because it will destroy you. Because it will destroy you. You know, ultimately in that story, Satan ruined the joy that the man had, that the servant had in serving the master, right? Because who who wants to serve somebody who's harsh, right? Who, when have, has your parents ever been like, I told you to go in there and clean your room, right? And you're like, okay, right? Like, that's not, nobody wants to serve a harsh, a harsh master, right? Nobody wants to serve somebody who's being harsh. Nobody wants to serve somebody who thinks, you know what, this person doesn't want anything good for me. Ultimately, he wants to ruin the joy that you have in serving the master. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, I've heard that, right? I've heard that like my whole life. And it's like a really cute, like, 
kids Bible verse to like make you learn it like in, in Sunday school like the joy of the Lord is my strength you guys know what I'm talking about like it's like <laughs> all right but um it's it's like the most simple verse and I've always heard it and I've always thought sure like the joy that comes from the Lord like is my strength like God's gonna give me joy that becomes my strength but it doesn't say the joy from the Lord is your strength, right? That's not what it says. It says the joy of the Lord is your strength. And there's a difference, right? Because if I made you a cake, here it is, doesn't it look good? We'll, we'll call it a pumpkin pie because it's almost Thanksgiving, okay? So this is a pumpkin pie. And if I said, this is a pumpkin pie made from Alyssa, right? It's like, I made you, I'm providing you the pumpkin pie. But if I said, this is a pumpkin pie made of Alyssa, those are two different things, right? Those are two different things. And so that's what I mean, is that it doesn't say the joy from the Lord. It says the joy of the Lord. And if you guys know where that comes from, that, that verse is Nehemiah, chapter 8, and I believe it's verse 10. And Nehemiah, see the story of Nehemiah is that God's people are there, right? And Nehemiah shows up to God's people, and he starts to read them the law of the Lord. So I don't know if you guys know what the law of the Lord is, but it's like, it's like what God expected from his people in the Old Testament, right? It's like, God expects you to do this, don't have any other idols, right? He's like reading the law of the Lord, and as he's reading this law of the Lord to the, pe to the people, they start to cry. And they're just like weeping and weeping and weeping. And they're like, we freaking blew it. Like, we, we haven't been doing any of these things. God must be so mad at us. He must be so disappointed. We, we have not lived up to the standards. And Nehemiah replies. Nehemiah's reply in chapter 8, verse 10 I wasn't going to read it, but now I feel like I should, so I'm going to. Nehemiah chapter 8. They read from the book of the law of the Lord and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. Sorry, da, 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 da. As they listened to the words of the, uh, for the, for the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And Nehemiah continued, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is the sacred day of the Lord. Don't be dejected for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't be dejected, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so the, the people, as he's reading all these things, and they feel like God's disappointed, they feel like they've blown it, they're like, you know what, there's a lot of truth in this. I, I didn't tell that person uh, about God whenever I felt like I should have, or, or you know what, that's, it's true, like maybe I should be farther in, in my walk with the Lord. I have been a Christian for a long time. As he, they start to think these things, they start to weep. And Nehemiah is like, no, 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 
don't be sad. The joy of the Lord is your strength, meaning the joy that comes from knowing that God isn't disappointed with you. God isn't mad at you. There's not, there's not anything that you could do. There's nothing that you could do that could make God displeased with you. You know what the Bible says? That, that, that faith pleases God. You know what faith is? Faith is understanding God. I thank you that, that maybe I, I, I don't have the, all the answers. God, I thank you that, that maybe I've blown it, but I know my faith in you, the joy of my salvation is knowing that you're merciful, that you're good to me, that you're on my team, that you're rooting for me, that all you want for me to do is to be successful. God, I thank you that, that, that even though maybe I did blow it here, the joy of the Lord is my strength and knowing that you're going to be good to me, you're going to help me, you're going to celebrate when I do, do uh, have wins, when I do do the right thing, that's the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So I'm here tonight because I felt like God was telling me very clearly that, that Satan will do that over and over and over again. Twist in your mind the way that God sees you. Why? Because it'll zap you of your joy of serving the Lord and zap you of your strength in it and ultimately ruin your relationship with the Lord. So tonight, maybe that's been you. Maybe you have, have thought things like that. Maybe you have thought, you know what, I should be farther than I am. You know what, I was caught up in the sin and God set me free once, but I, I've, I've blown it now. Maybe you, you've believed the lie that God's disappointed with you, he's mad at you, but I'm telling you, God hasn't changed the way that he feels about you. There's no shifting of a shadow where all of a sudden God was pleased with you when you were stuck with sin, but now, you know what, now that you're trying, you're crap out of luck, God, God's super mad at you. That's not true. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not cast a shifting shadow. And God loves you. He's for you. And he's rooting for you. So whenever you hear those things come into your mind, right, the Bible says to take any thought that, that would exalt itself above the Lord, to take it captive, right? And so that looks like, man, you know what? I freaking blew it with that lady. Like, I should have told her about the Lord, and I didn't do it. Like, I, I literally didn't do it. Instead of thinking, you know what? God must be disappointed with me. You know what? God must be angry with me. Instead, think, you know what? But God's rooting for me. And, and the next time God tells me to do something, I'm going to be on it because that's the kind of person that I am. And God's for me, and, and he's excited uh, uh, for me. Or, you know what? God's disappointed with me. You know what? No. I'm God's favorite. I'm God's favorite. God's not disappointed with me. He's pleased with me. Why? Just because I have faith in him. Just because I have faith in who he is. The joy of the Lord, knowing that he's good and gracious and merciful, that is my